guys, welcome back to Normalising Life podcast. It's awesome to have you here. Number 15, I believe, Rob, this week. Number 15 of the podcast. We've been doing this a while now. You've got me saying awesome. You say awesome a lot, and I and I'm saying awesome a lot. <laughs> I know, I realised it. Absolutely awesome. Absolutely awesome. <laughs> we should we should have done this podcast. Absolutely awesome. I know, mate. I know. I need to stop it. I've, I've been aware of it. I've been absolutely amazing um, <laughs> just trying to change yeah. what i'm saying after it it's like absolutely so coming in so much and <laughs> it's annoying me so god knows what it's like for the listeners but we have got an incredible guest today uh, not an absolutely awesome guest an incredible guest today. <laughs> uh, <we're laughs> and uh, by uh, the guy called kyle newsom so Kyle is a guy who I've met on Clubhouse recently and his backstory is insane. Some of the stuff that he has been through has been uh, really, really good to hear and it's been great to like learn more about his story and learn more about some of the stuff that he has dealt with growing up and going through his career as well. So one of the big things that we dive deep into today is that he was on the island with Bear Grylls where they do 40 days, 40 nights on a deserted island just off of Panama, him and 14 other people. Uh, it was all documented. It's on, I think it's on uh, Amazon Prime now, so you can actually go back and watch it on Amazon Prime. Um, but it was... It was great, wasn't it? It's such a good good podcast to dive into. Yeah, absolutely. It's someone completely different that we have never had on before. And I don't think we'll ever find anyone like that to come on the podcast again. So it was really unique. And I learned a lot as well from it. And he's a very, very nice guy. I did not, yeah. Well done for getting him on. Yeah, awesome. So we will get into the podcast now. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. And um, we want to welcome welcome on Kyle. Kyle, if you want to give us a little bit of a background about yourself, and then uh, we'll get into the podcast itself. All right, yeah, happy to, mate. So my name's Kyle. I am a digital consultant, and I suppose a bit about my background. I grew up in East London on the borderline of Essex. Um, fairly sort of conventional upbringing. Went to school and a few little school experiences, I'd say left a few little triggers and things in my mind, which probably dictated how I went through life, trying to build up a persona of who I was. Um, anyway, I got to a certain stage where in my career, I got a bit frustrated. The facade and the persona that I built up, I'd say, I started to question it. I started to get a bit more introspective, let's say. Um, and then that sent me on a bit of a journey, which we'll talk about today. Um, but yeah, that's a bit a bit of a summary. So yeah, yeah, reported. No, me and me and you have been we've been chatting a lot on Clubhouse recently, haven't we? And we've uh, been really getting to know each other's stories a little bit more. And uh, one thing that mine and your story relates to, I know Rob, this is something for you as well in the past, is the fact of identity and trying to be the person to like live to the hype of everybody else who you're around and uh, play to the crowd and and whatnot. I've talked loads of times about how it was a regular occurrence that when I were at university, I'd put a straw in a bottle of wine and just straw pedo full bottle of wine as kind of a, a warm up to pre-drinks and that kind of thing. And all this kind of stuff is obviously horrible for your mental health and horrible for uh, your, just kind of your health in general <laughs> going forward. But it's, it's what you do when you're at uni and you're trying to play up to the crowds and you're trying to be the, the big boy. And um, we, we, like I say, we talked a lot about that and kind of you've got that story of it, it being around your um, work environment as well as your circles and females and all the rest of it. And you all of that, all. yeah, all of that. So it, it's weird as in at the time you don't, or for me, I didn't realise it. I just thought, oh, this is how I am. Um, but as I've looked back, I realised that there was definitely a part of me which was trying to overcompensate. And it probably just came from a space of being um, a little bit insecure or having lower self-esteem than I wanted 
So you sort of then try and fill that void to be like a bit larger in life in certain situations, like you mentioned, trying to sort of one up or show that you can do anything. Um, and yeah, it played out in a number of ways. I think it's probably negative for a number of relationships. Um, it was even just when I was dating, it was always trying to go one better, do one more. Um, and then like we sort of touched on in the work environment, um, I was never quite comfortable. I always felt like I had to prove something. So I could do the job. I remember early in my career, it was like, I can do this. I'm probably better than my manager. And I'd go out of my way to prove that I was better than them. And then the good side of it is- I like, like that, I like that, yeah. I like that aspect, it's cool. Yeah, it's like a double-edged sword. So you've got the good side, it drives you. Then you've got the other side where it's like you're trying to fill a void. And that's really what, again, sort of unsettled me and led me to some good and bad decisions, let's say. Yeah. What, what sort of, what sort of, back and back to the start, like whenever you were, as a kid, like what sort of kid were you in school and stuff? Were you like popular kid or do you always struggle as a kid or what sort of childhood did you have that way? Yeah. So childhood, I grew up with three sisters and one stepsister um, and I'm the second one. So I probably had elements of that middle child syndrome where I wasn't in the center of attention being the first one. And then I had younger siblings as well. So I think even some of that probably contributes to that feeling of maybe wanting a bit of attention and I suppose when I went through school I found it easy to be honest um I used to read a lot when I was younger and I found school quite easy but I was somewhere between hanging out with the naughty kids causing trouble but also being in the class with all the clever kids so I, I as I've gone through life I've always had a bit of a blend in who I've hung out with I've got like people who your class is a bit geeky and stuff like that and I'm probably a bit of a geek myself but then I've got the other side where I'll do nearly anything. Like my mindset is always like, what's the worst that can happen? And again, that's a double-edged sword because sometimes it means you do absolutely stupid shit that you definitely shouldn't do. Then sometimes it's when you're faced in situations where people normally be a bit scared, you're just like, well, what's the worst that can happen? You just yeah. go ahead and do it anyway. So I yeah, think that's good with it. Yeah, at our age, it's, it's probably better to be like that. I think as you get older, those sort of decisions are a bit more influential where if you do make the bad decision you've got so much more on your back to carry but when you're young you're supposed to take these risks and you're supposed to make these decisions like that which i think is a admirable way to make your decisions no but yeah yes. how old are you by the way i didn't i didn't ask if you don't mind me asking yeah no it's fine i'm 34 i'm 34 yeah, yeah. So, Hope, hopefully yeah. looking a bit younger but you never know i would have said <laughs> would, 28 to be fair i would have said 20. i wouldn't put you at 34 mate so there we go i'll take that i'll take that <laughs> yeah but i think all all three of us have got and um, like aspects of that and um, that entrepreneurship so i'm wearing rob's clothing brand right now a hybrid academy and um obviously you know about my my business and uh, my a-game consultancy business and obviously yourself uh, having your your digital digital agency and stuff as well, which is which is awesome. So, do you want to touch a little bit more on that and what you do with your your agency? Yeah, sure. So, I suppose in terms of my career before getting to my own agency, I worked in agencies. So, I worked for a company based in. They operate mostly out of London, but they're one of the fastest growing agencies in the UK. So, I worked on massive accounts, solving quite big problems, and <clears throat> I guess to an extent. I think that was partly the thing at a certain point I came a bit detached from. I was a bit like, what is the point of doing all this? Like, yes, I'm making these companies more money, but they've got loads of money anyway. Uh, so that was part of the sort of the thing that, again, just made me question a lot. Then these days in terms of what I do, so I've got like a smaller consultancy. Um, that's one part of my business where I work with small to mid-sized companies, 
basically helping them to build systems into their business, uh, get more leads, get more sales, um, to go a little bit deeper. I don't know if you know much about growth hacking and conversion rate optimization. It's, again, some of it's kind of geeky stuff, running experiments, looking at numbers, but also a mix of creativity. So, again, I've always been a mix between the geekier side and the creative expression. And that sort of led me to setting up this agency. And it was a struggle, don't get me wrong. It started off as just off the back of freelancing, just again, fighting my way through my career, getting to a point where I was like looking for something more. I had an opportunity to move over to the States actually with the company that I was with. Um, like I said, I wasn't really settled. And then going into the freelance space, I wanted more, I wanted to grow. And so many mistakes came out of the back of that. Um, you know, I'd start things up, start picking up clients. And just because I didn't have the right systems in place, I'd end up losing clients or missing, like forgetting to follow up, um, just stupid stuff. Um, and I suppose sometimes you've got to go through this journey to grow. Um, but off the back of those lessons I've learned these days, I'm also coaching people. So I have a business coaching side of what I do as well. And really that's working with small to mid-sized companies, coaching people through that sort of the journey of, being able to get more freedom in your business and not be tied up with the day-to-day, -day. put some systems in place because um, it makes a difference. Like in 2019, for example, the way I had things set up, I think I spent four months a year out of the country. And you know, fortunately right now I live in Dubai anyway, but it was good to get to Asia and be able to work from different places. And I wasn't actually tied to the work. So this is what I help coach people to do as well. That's awesome. I think there's so many people that want that laptop lifestyle in the sense of being able to take the work anywhere that they can in the world yeah but not many people want to put in the effort that he has to be no. <laughs> no, exactly. that's, the big, that's the big thing isn't it and it's one thing that um i always say and i think that it's absolutely massive is that every successful person has a mentor or a coach like everyone has someone else who they look up to and it's like it's finding someone it's like i'm a i'm a personal trainer and a physiotherapist yeah i have a pt that does my coaching and my planning and it's like it's the same thing that you're saying you may have your own business, you may feel like you're killing it, but there's someone else who can help you progress further. I think that that, um, that in itself is massive and people underestimate and they're not like, I could do this myself though. It's like, yeah, you spend six weeks learning how to do it and going through all this process or how much is your time worth to actually get to the point straight away? And it's Keeping yourself accountable. Yeah, keeping your kids accountable is you always learn. You're, you're always learning. Like I'm sure, how long have you done your business now, Carl? Uh, so it's probably been about six years. Yeah, and six years. Would you say you know everything? Absolutely not. Absolutely, Absolutely not. not. Exactly. You're always, yeah, yeah. always learning, especially in your, and I'm just saying your area of work as well. It's always growing, always doing different things. You have to keep on top of yeah. different updates and stuff, don't you? Yeah, you can't get too comfortable. And the thing is, what I will say is, I went for a number of years resisting that. I thought, again, I knew it all. I had all the answers. I could teach myself. But looking back, I wasted years messing around on some of the wrong things. Like the amount of times I redone my website because I felt like it wasn't quite right, it wasn't perfect genuinely wasted years on that stuff which wasn't the thing that was going to move it forwards and i speak to yeah. a few people and i know they do the same thing it's that personal pride it's your baby which you're sort of hanging on to it you're not quite ready to put it out into the world because you don't want to be judged and actually it's having a negative effect because all that time you've hung on to it you're missing out on those opportunities you're not growing you're still in that same situation that you actually want to get out of but it's all just because of that fear at the end of the day yeah 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 no, I, I, I couldn't agree more. I think that people always focus on, it's when it comes to, to fitness as well, it's everyone focuses on what's this thing that can make me 1% or 2% better, not the thing that's like they're going to make you 25 or 30% better. Like in the realm yeah. of fitness, it's like, well, it, 
oh, you want to take this one supplement that's going to maybe increase your recovery by 2%, or do you want to actually make sure you get eight hours sleep and eat right, which is going to make your recovery like a hell of a lot better. Yeah, like that's CBD. That's CBD oil at the minute. That fucking pisses me off. Like, Because <laughs> people are just taking CBD under the tongue and they're not even, they're getting four hours sleep and they're doing an hour training session and then eating shit, eating KFC, and they're like, we drop off CBD, it'll sort me out here. <laughs> and I think it's the it's the same thing when it comes to the business of the, the focusing on, oh, if I get that one social media plug in absolutely bang on yeah. before, <laughs> before they actually yeah. go like, <clears throat> launch it and get it going, mate. That's what's going to be better. Exactly, yeah. And you probably see this again in the fitness space where sometimes people when you look around online or you see people doing certain things, you don't realize the steps that they've taken to get to that point. So sometimes you look at someone who's quite far down the line, you're like, you see the things they're doing, you see the tactics they're doing, you see the supplements they're taking, but they're already at a certain level. So when you're at the early stages where, do you know what I mean? You've got a gut on you and you're only just about getting moving. It's not the time to focus on those incremental things. There's like bigger things to tackle. And it's the same thing when it comes to the business side of things, the digital side of things, like, don't always pay attention to people thinking that if you do that one thing, it's going to explode things for you. And again, I was guilty of it myself. You know, we all sort of fall into this space where we compare ourselves. We look around online, we see what people are doing. We're scrolling, swiping through Instagram. Again, you see the laptop lifestyle, you see those things you want, but you don't realize the steps in between. And again, that's where a coach or someone who's been through it will save you so much time and effort because they will literally show you like, these are the important things to focus on. There is the accountability. There is the assistance, the steps. Um, I just wish I'd sort of looked into that space myself a lot earlier, to be honest. Yeah, I think I think. What so sort I of business, it, like size businesses, do you work with? So it's a mix, really. So one of the companies I'm working with at the moment, they're an agency with about ten people. It tends to be, I tell you what, it tends to be people who have started out they've built things up and they've got to a state where they're scaling to a certain extent. Like a plateau. But they're still. Yeah. Yeah, they sort of hit a bit of a plateau. Like um, I was listening to someone the other day and they were saying, when your business has a certain number of people in there, you have different challenges to face. Um, and he said, when you've got four people in your company, it's a good number. When you've got eight people and 40, and I need to look into it a bit more to understand is in what different challenges do people face when they're not in those numbers. But but yeah, people along the journey, it tends to be they're somewhere between four and eight people in the company that I'm working with. And again, they want, they're not necessarily looking for a massive 300 people strong company, but they want something that generates good money. They want some of their time back. And I think to be honest, the time is the most important thing. Like we all see life going past and even with COVID and stuff like that, there's, there's more important stuff to think about. Yes. We want money, money. Yes. We want our businesses to grow, but how great would it be if you could do a lot more of your time and still have things working for you? So I think, I think that's it. It's, um, yeah, it's, that. it's giving that's, people their time back. Yeah, it's that return on, people talk about in business, so the return on investment, but they don't talk about return on time as much. And obviously, at the end of the day, you don't get more time, you can get more money, but you can't get more time. So it's like, you need to make sure that your return on time is good. And if you want to spend, spend six weeks learning about something, then go for it. But you're going to, your time could be spent getting, um, could be spent elsewhere. But yeah, I think there's that, that in itself is, is, it's so good and it's so powerful um well again talking about rabbit holes we can go down this business rabbit hole, all, all three of us talking about um business stuff um loads but um you said you've got a you've got a course coming out is it or a, a new program that you want to release around around this business stuff because we can get that in yeah so things i've been working on recently is a course which essentially is a 12-week program 
and it basically takes people through the steps of getting some more freedom in their business. And it's called Easy Come, Easy Grow. Um, just playing on the easy come, easy go. But really, it's a case of there are a lot of simple steps that people can put into their life, put into their business, which is going to take them so many steps further and get to a stage where they're earning a lot more money a month. Um, just someone I'm working with at the moment, they've managed to hit five figures a month in a very short space of time. And they've got a lot of information within themselves, but they don't have the blueprint. They don't have the roadmap. They don't have the accountability. So really that's what this 12 week program is there to do. Just give people a bit of structure, set them off in a path. And really it's for the people I'm trying to speak to is the millennial entrepreneur. Like I say, someone who's set up their own business, they potentially have a small team. They're doing decent numbers, but really they want to scale it up and they want a bit more time and space. They don't want to be overwhelmed and burnt out. So that's, that's a big thing I'm working on. So yeah, I'm, I've got big hopes for that. Like I say, coaching, I see so much value. So for me, I just want to add a lot more value to people. Um, I'm not as fussed about the big, massive companies anymore. Really not. Is that like a one-on-one basis or is it like a group sort of project thing? So it's one-on-one. It's one-on-one. So I do have a group coaching. <clears throat> sorry. I do have a group coaching program that I've got, but really one-on-one. Um, and it's I can only work with a certain number of people. But with this program, it's almost like I'm looking for a case study group. Um, these are people who I want to get together. I want to get their massive results. And they get the one-on-one interaction, which essentially I'll turn into more of a scalable program after that. But really, I want to go deep. Um, this isn't something superficial where I want people just sat back and half in, half out. I'm looking for people who are committed and want to get stuck in and get big results there. What about, so see people come to you, would you like see their idea, see their project, and would you choose to work with them for them, their project or themselves? Like, because obviously if someone comes to you and their attitude's class, but you think of their idea and you're like, that's, that's dog shit. Like, I, I, how are you supposed to work with that? Would you work with them still or would you sort of palm them off? Like, yeah, so it's a mix. I think, to be honest, in terms of taking people on, there is a, there's a qualification process. So normally, like people, ideas are cheap. Anyone can have an idea. Um, normally, it's a case of people have maybe something they've tried or something they're good at. I like to think that most people have something they're good at they can make money off of. So really, it's about giving people a bit of direction. And again, even if their idea is a bit off, it's a case of looking at what's at the core of it. Like, what is your strength? For example, like, okay, so you are... I don't know, like you're a copywriter, but you, you know, you've got big dreams to write certain type of content. Really, I'll try and just distill it down, get to the core of what's important to them and try to package up something that actually is going to be profitable for them and then give them more time and space to grow. So it's giving them that direction because sometimes we have loads of ideas, but again, it's what's going to get me to that destination. So that's what it's really about. Sick. Yeah. yeah awesome and i'll leave uh, links I'll, I'll get in touch afterwards you give me some links and stuff that i can do whether it's just yeah. your instagram or um or if you've got a link to the course just we'll get that sorted and it'll be in the first link of the description but we'll get into the main the main bulk of stuff <laughs> what uh, what we wanted to we want we wanted to talk about and cover so uh as i mentioned in the intro kyle was on the island with bear grills wasn't he was that season was it season two that he was on yeah, so I was in season two. Um, I'd actually watched the first season, sat there on my sofa, was like, oh, yeah, I can do that. I can do it better <laughs> than him. Um, do you know what I mean? The normal critics saying, oh, they're rubbish. Um, and I think it was at the end of the last episode, there was a little message that said, if you think you can take it on, drop us a message. So I was just sat there, pulled out my phone. I sent an email thinking nothing more would come of it. Um, lo and behold, got a response saying, you know, 
uh, fill out this application form. And I remember at the time, I didn't even jump to do it because I still thought it's a bit of a long shot. I'm probably not going to get through. It's not going to work out. I think they had like 80,000 people that applied in the end. Um, so again, I just sort of thought, yeah, just for a laugh. And then one thing led to another before I knew it, went down to the auditions and then they got back to me being like, yep, get ready. You're going over there. So it was a bit of a whirlwind, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of glad I got stuck in. What were the turnaround from that? So when from you, when you first, like first applied to actually like getting onto the, getting onto the show itself? Yeah. So after, after I first applied, I think it was about a month and a half or something before I was off. Um, yeah, you just, you never really knew what was happening. So they, they threw an audition for like loads of people to turn up. So everyone went down there um, and it was a bit like loads of you in a room and they would ask you quick fire questions. So you're on the spot. Um, and then they'll be like, you, 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 you're through to the next round. The rest of you, thanks a lot for coming. You're off home. And you never really knew what they were looking for. Um, so again, even at this time, you know, I, I had this persona that I built up. So I didn't realize, but as in, I was just, in my, in my head, I was being myself, but I was obviously conscious. It was something I wanted to go through and win. So you've got, you're in conflicts and like, do I say the right thing? Do I just try and be myself? But you never knew at any point what they were looking for. Um, there are a few things that I blagged when they asked certain questions, um, which came to bite me at a certain point, to be honest. So even one of the things they asked, and it wasn't anything major, but they were like, um, this was once I got through, they just checked. They were like, can you swim? Which is a simple question. I was like, yeah. And, and, Funnily enough, swimming is definitely not my strong point, um, which, yeah, it causes a bit of a problem on more than one occasion. I would say so if you're on an island, like, a couple of people. <laughs> <laughs> I thought, thought it was about first that. giveaway. I know, I know. Should have thought about it. Yeah. Oh, no, so that's, that, that's class. So what were your thoughts? What was your attitude kind of going into the show? Were you kind of like, big bollocks guy, I'm going to smash this? Or were you, were you kind of a bit hesitant about it? So what I'd say is going through life, I always thought I was good at problem solving. Normally that was in the comfort of being behind the laptop and for my job. But I thought, you know, like I can take most things on. Um, so when I actually signed up, when I knew I was actually going there, I thought, yeah, what's the worst that can happen? I'm good at problem solving. I'll be able to figure it out. Um, and you don't realize, you know, certain things that you see on TV, you don't see what's behind it. Um, when the show comes out, there's like six episodes, but that's over a period of six weeks. Um, but yeah, I went in full of confidence. Um, I thought, I didn't think it would be a holiday, but I was like, oh, it'd be all right. You know, you go into a tropical island, we'll get there, maybe find some mango trees, a few bits and pieces. Probably it was a bit overconfident, or probably <laughs> it's an understatement. Um, it was so, so far from that, so far from it. Where actually is the island that you go to? Uh, so it's say? off... Yeah, it's off the coast of Panama. So there's a cluster of islands called the Pearl Islands. Um, so yeah, in the South Pacific, it was rainy season. So it wasn't just hot all the time. Rainy season brought its own challenges. Um, you know, an example being when you're laying there next to the fire, three o'clock in the morning, you hear a rumble in the sky, you see some lights flashing and all of a sudden like a storm just breaks out over you and you've got no shelter, nowhere to go. And your job is to keep that fire alive because if you don't have that fire going, you basically can't purify any water. You can't cook any food. So um, that was like, once we got it going, that was life. And in terms of the fire, that was, it took a long time to get going. So we were trying, I think for about 16 hours, we had a little bit of training before, like two day survival training. 
And then when we got there, it was a case of we were like trying to rub sticks together. <laughs> we're like sweating, dehydrated, and the fire is just not happening. And we're just like, uh, like, at what point do we give up? Or like, is this actually going to work? And it was only because randomly I was just there and I saw one of the lads, he had glasses on. Um, and, you know, you see it in cartoons, so where they get a little magnifying glass and they like burn yeah, a yeah. hole in something. So I was like, mate, like, give me your glasses. Um, and literally that was it. I just gave it a go. I saw I was like, this can definitely work. So I knocked something together, wedged his glasses in. A little while later, we had a fire going. And that was just like, it was a crazy mix of emotions at that point because like, we, we didn't know each other. It was a group of 14 lads. We didn't know each other at all. We're all just like there, just sweating it out, trying to get a fire going. Mood is dropping quickly. Um, and all of a sudden, the emotion that went around the whole group when the fire got going, like everyone was like just bet you were the boy, jumping. like <laughs> oh mate, unbelievable, unbelievable. <laughs> and the thing is, <laughs> what's my name? What's my name? Playing play, play it up for them, playing it up for the crowd. That was me. That was me. Um, yeah, it's just it, it was. It was like it was. The weird thing is though, like I say, I grew up mostly around women. Um, this was me being around a group of lads. So they're all different personalities I was contending with. Like on the way there, you had lads like, yeah, I'm going to catch piggy. I'm going to kill the piggy. Like you had your typical alpha males. And then you had, you had all sorts of characters there. So it was a bit like, I thought I was good at certain stuff and I was like, I'm going to prove it. But I was also around other people. Um, and then, yeah, when I did get that fire going, it was just one of those things where it was that massive sense of accomplishment. But one thing that I actually noticed about myself at that point is it wasn't all... Uh, like positive emotion. Like at the time, like I said, everyone was buzzing, but that same day, my mood crashed massively. And what I sort of realized after is I was really um, uncomfortable with getting really sincere compliments. Like I couldn't explain it, but like knowing that what I'd done was actually important to someone and actually meant from the bottom of my heart, like how grateful they were. Like that just sat really weirdly with me. I remember like towards the end of the day, I was like, almost about to cry and I couldn't explain it. I was just like, why have I got this emotion? Like, what, what is it all about? Um, so I can only think that maybe it's just something attached to that where maybe again, self-esteem, maybe I didn't believe I was really good at certain things. It was the act I was trying to put on, but like seeing how important it was literally, you know, changing the course of our whole journey. It, yeah. It just really hit hard. That's interesting that I, how you, do you think it was the heat of the moment as well because you're in that and then there were so many people giving you compliments it was just a like a euphoric sort of feeling of thank you you know what I mean yeah I'd say that definitely played a part um adrenaline obviously was high and yeah. I suppose over the whole journey you had these highs and lows um but I, I don't know I, I think it was me just processing it and seeing how important it was to people normally like you know it's just like anything you see people they ask how you are like yeah I'm good mate you sort of keep it moving um or just compliments are just like throwaway things like people just say stuff do you know what I mean oh yeah I like that but there's no depth to it but I think with that just actually looking at people and seeing that they actually meant it they were like this was important um, yeah, yeah it just it was a weird wave of emotions for sure we talked about this before in the podcast about compliments and how people like struggle to take them like they would always backfire a compliment with another compliment like oh hey your hair is nice oh, and your, your, nails, your nails are nice like a backfire of compliments because but people understand when you when you give someone a compliment it gives the person given the compliment it's an intrinsic sort of it's motivation for them it gives them gratitude giving someone else a compliment so I've always told people if you get a compliment just, just take it don't backfire it with another one just take it 
enjoy it, treasure it, because it, giving that person giving you the compliment, a lot more gratitude as well. I agree, mate. I agree. Yeah. yeah so uh, question, the question about the island. Um, right. So obviously you're away six for six weeks, is it? Six weeks. Yeah. What happens if you're in a job and like your income, your house, your mortgage, shit like that? There, like, what happens to that? Yeah. So, sorry. <clears throat> so as part of the actual process, when we were signing up, they did say you're going to be away for at least two months. So you need to factor that in. They would compensate a certain amount of money, but it was essentially whatever you negotiated. Um, so obviously new people would be away from jobs, responsibilities and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, everyone who was there, they worked it out. They worked out what they needed. The show compensated that. Fortunately for me, so at that time, I was working for an ag agency in London and I spoke to them about it and they were actually really supportive. Um, they were like, look, go and do it. When you get back, your job's still here. And funnily enough, before I decided to go, I sort of touched on this before, but I was at that stage in a job where... I was getting a little bit disillusioned with the work I was doing. So I think this is what made me even look into going onto the process. I was like, maybe I'll figure a few things out. And I don't know, like people call it all sorts of stuff. Maybe it was that purpose I was looking for, just trying to figure out a few different things. Um, but yeah, that was really the catalyst. And I think I had the comfort of knowing the job was still there for me when I came back. Although adjusting was an interesting thing as well. Yeah, I'm gonna say we're gonna move move on to that one in a little bit. But like, what were the people like that you were with? Like, were there any that you just got on with, like new best mate? Or it's like when when the way that me and Robert met, we were on uh, the Gilly Islands in in uh, in Bali, Egypt, Bali, and yeah, in Bali, and we that's when we we met. <laughs> that's where that's where this all all. We've actually only met each other one time. Then. <laughs> <laughs> amazing, that's, amazing. That, that was where that it's created like the craziness that you meet someone that's so like minded next to you at a random hostel in an island just off Bali. <laughs> <It's crazy. laughs> um, but yeah, like what were the people like that you were you're on the island with? What were the people like? Um, I don't know. Just imagine a bag of pick and mix. Like <laughs> it was just all sorts. You had your your straws in there. You had your fizzy cola bottles. You had your milk bottles. You even had your snakes in there. It was it was all sorts. Um, Did you clash with any yourself? I, I clashed with a few people. We didn't have anything too dramatic. There were no physical fights, um, but definitely a clash of personalities. Um, the two the two lads at the beginning who were sort of it seemed like they were fighting for that alpha position. They both ended up leaving, I think it was around three days. Um, and don't get me wrong, like three days in, it was tough. Three days of no food is no joke whatsoever. So that was when starvation really kicks in. Um, but yeah, we, did, we didn't know each other. We, we didn't know each other's backgrounds. Um, we didn't know anything about each other. So I think that was part of the beauty of it. You sort of went there and you just took people as they were. It wasn't the case of how they're dressed or how much money they've got, what car they drive. It was, you just had to take them for how they treated you, the way they carried themselves, the commitments they made, all that sort of stuff. Um, so I think that side of it was refreshing, but for sure, I clashed with people. Um, and in general in life, what I've realized as well is I'm, I'm not a good, I'm probably not a good follower. <laughs> I'm really not a good follower. For me to follow someone's lead or guidance, I need to respect them. So I will follow and take someone's guide, like a mentor, coach, or even in work, in, in work environments, but there needs to be that level of respect where I think they've got integrity or I believe in them. 
And I just realized even in that situation, I wouldn't get in that scenario and just follow someone blindly. So I think at a certain point, quite early on, I didn't feel like I was part of the group. Um, one, because again, growing up around women, I think that I had a, I've got a bit of a different vibe when there's a big group of lads and it stood out so much. Um, so that, that was one thing. And then I think it was just, everyone just still had this persona that they were carrying. You know, you had people like their lads and stuff like that. They didn't, they didn't want to show any vulnerability. Um, no, after a few days, or something, I'm, sure, I'm sure people cracked eventually and showed their true colours, no? Yeah, it definitely came. So there were a few key days when people cracked. Um, I'd say day three was when starvation hit. So that was the mind game sort of kicked in. You questioned a lot. Um, I remember day 21, Jesus. around that time. Yeah, it was funny enough, speaking to the psychiatrist before we went on there, um, he actually said to us, he was like, day three, day 21. And I can't remember the specific day he said, but he put it out there in advance. He was like, you're probably going to find those days the hardest. And I need to look into it to find out, as in like, what was the rationale behind it? Because he was so confident about it. I'm sure him and, saying that point didn't really help either, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, probably planted the seed of doubt. Yeah, but quite waiting for it. Oh, no, yeah. Did you, no, but lost? You, did you like did you keep track of days like were that like a kind of prison vibe scraping on a life tree of pie. Well, um, like this <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> each day giving yourself a new tattoo <laughs> that's it scratch it in there this is actually yeah. this actually relates to the 11 of us that made it to the end and it is like the days counting down and 11 of 11 out of the 14 that made it to the end um oh, that's so good. but yeah it was weird as in like I wouldn't say so much that you lost track of days. There were things that we lost touch with and there were things we came more attuned with. So I remember in the first few days, I was still having like phantom vibrations in my pocket um, as if I had my phone there. Um, and that happened for a little while. Um, but then after a certain amount of time, there were things that you would just become accustomed to. So like I'll be able to look at the moon and know how high the tide was going to be the next day, like random stuff like that where someone who works in an office would never have a clue about or I could look at certain plants and have an indication like can possibly eat that or no that's definitely poisonous um yeah it's just weird how quickly when you're away from technology you're away from the sort of the comforts the cushioning and all that sort of stuff you do in a weird way become more accustomed to nature how much like is it actually all you or is there people like in a hotel two hours down the road or is it actually you? I've always wanted to know this. Like, yeah. So we did have a little stash of Snickers bars. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, so the way it actually worked is there were 14 of us who started off on there and no camera crew. We were the ones filming it. So, All right. so this is where a lot of people think, oh, you know, like someone's looking after you, you got to play your food. Like we were dropped off there and it was a case of, and when I say dropped off, it was Bear Grylls. He took us close to the island on a boat. We had to jump off and swim to shore <laughs> again that part didn't go too well but um yeah we were left to our own devices this first thing this first thing soon as you start guys i've made a mistake you can't swim i know i know there's probably a lesson in, in that somewhere it's in don't always try and black stuff it'll come and get you oh so bad um but yeah we, we just had to go and figure it out and yeah there was no crew around us um there was some scary nights to be honest i remember one of the first nights, well, the actual first night we got there, we, we weren't used to just the thought of having to lie on the ground with like things crawling around you and all sorts. Like that was weird as fuck. And then um, I remember there being one night where 
me and one of the other lads, we had gone out during the day and we were, we were looking, I was actually looking for a fig tree because I found, it's, it sounds bizarre, but I'd found like a part eating fig just like lying down the ground somewhere. So I was like, there must be a tree somewhere and maybe it's washed down. So I went off on a mission um, and the sun was coming down. And obviously once the sun goes down, there are no lights and no street lights. And if you're in the jungle, like it's very hard to find your way back. Um, but we had a decision to make. We're at a high point on the island. We're like, do we go back the way we came and just get back to our base before it gets dark? Or do we carry on? And if we can find our way to a beach, we'll be able to work our way around back to our camp. We were like, well, this is the furthest anyone's been into the island. Let's just keep going. So we've carried on going, cutting through the forest, like very dense. Um, and we see a bit of an opening. So we're like, our oh, great thinking that we're approaching a beach. We get there, it's like the edge of a sheer cliff. Fuck. We're like, bollocks. Like, and the sun's coming down at this point. Uh, it's getting very dark. So we're just like, what have we done? Um, and what do we do now? So we're like, all right, there's very slim chance we're going to be able to find our way back. So the two of us will just sleep here. In the morning, we'll go back. Bear in mind, the lads have no idea where we are. <clears throat> so, um, yeah, we just sort of <clears throat> made a little bed. Just thought, all right, we're going to sleep on the edge of this cliff. We'll go sort it out in the morning. And as happened quite a lot, after a certain amount of hours, a storm opened up. So again, being on the edge of a cliff, a storm comes battering down on us. And we were just like, we can't just sleep here on the edge of this cliff. Um, we're going to have to brave it. So we had to turn back and like in the dark with a little headlamp, we're like, I don't, it took about, I think six hours or something like that for us going through the dark to actually make it all the way back to our camp. And that journey was horrific. Like we were climbing around rocky headlands in the rain where if you dropped off, you would hit rocks and go in the sea. And like, no one was there to get you. Like genuinely, it was one of those experiences where a few of us had close experiences where we could have easily died. And we just knew like, if anything happened, there was no one, there was no one there to save us. But Again, in our weird space, it was like we, we felt like the island was home. We were hungry. We were hardly eating any food. Some days probably getting about 10 calories a day. Um, so, yeah, we just got stuck in and did what we had to do. Yeah, I was going to bring up that, that point next about food. Obviously, you're in the middle of a, 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 like a jungle, as you say, there, like the, the woods and stuff. So, like animals and food, what was the give us a bit of a lowdown about that. Like what, what kind of foods were you eating? What were your main food sources? What was the animals like? Were there any kind of close running to like deadly animals, dangerous animals? What's, what's going on yeah. with that there? So the first thought that came to mind actually when it came to animals was on the first day we got there, we were all walking through the jungle and we saw a snake. Well, we saw a boa constrictor. Um, and it, we'd been there for about two hours. And so funny looking back because like, nobody went near it we all gave it a big talk we were like throwing little sticks at it uh, but obviously we weren't even hungry enough so we sort of like we'll come back for that later we left it alone but again a big bow constrictor as soon as we've got there so we knew there was some serious stuff um but yeah along the way there was, there was all sorts um other snakes iguanas wild boar um all yeah crocodiles on there came and alligators all sorts and funny enough like the things that you think are going to be the big scary things are really not the things that bother you the most. Um, but yeah, there, there was all sorts, you know, obviously at a certain point we managed to catch fish. I was awful. I managed to probably catch one or two fish the whole time. Fishing was not my bag. It looks easier than it is for sure. Um, 
But yeah, we, we ate all sorts. I remember literally going from that first day where we were sort of scared to go near a snake to probably four days in. I remember seeing a snake go off into a bush and I literally just ran and grabbed it, pulled it out by its tail, chopped its head off with a machete and just, I think, just wrapped it around my neck to walk back to camp. <laughs> and I remember thinking after that, what have I become? Like, this is <laughs> so bizarre. And it didn't take any time at all. So um, that was one of the things. Um, Adam was last like, today. <laughs> Adam, 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 Adam's Adam's previously gone vegan. <laughs> yeah, he's struggling with that. Really <laughs> Sitting there like leaf, let's just see it. <laughs> a little bit of time. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, we did we did have coconuts. Um, so that actually became something, although we got a bit sick of it, um, it became pretty much a staple. We just found different ways to eat it. So to begin with, obviously, we'd get as much of the water out of it and then just like, cut it out of the case and just eat that and then we started toasting it and then we would try and make like soup with like bits of coconut in it and when I say soup it was just like water with some scraps of fish or like limpets I don't know if you guys know what limpets are but that yeah, was the shells, fish. yeah the ones that they ate that I mean I don't know if that's the worst thing I ate there that we to, to actually help us eat that stuff we called them bacon bits because psychologically they look very snotty and horrible um but we would like crisp them up over the fire and just tell ourselves oh we're just eating little bacon bits and that was our thing to sort of get us through it but snails all sorts of stuff but i think one of the best meals i had there it was about two weeks in and you know we we were starving we this is two weeks of hardly any food we'd gone out we were laying down traps um and obviously for every trap you set you have to go and check it the next day so as many as you set out it means the next day you've got to check every single one and we were checking traps for like the best part of two weeks and then one day one of the lads has come running back to camp he's like boys 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 he's like grab some stuff come with me so we're like all right we've picked up a few sticks we've got machetes we didn't really know what to expect but we've trekked through the jungle we've got to one of the places where we had a trap set up by the side of a swamp and it was like one of these cartoon traps where you've got like a tree branch bent over, you've got the <laughs> rope and a little circle. Um, <laughs> and we got there and we looked and the rope is going off into the swamp and it's like tight, like solid. So we're around there just like, all right, um, like, do we do this? Like, well, what do we think it is? And we had our suspicions, but like, it also seemed a bit far-fetched. So at a certain point, we've given it a tug and started pulling this rope in. And all of a sudden you see a massive tail start splashing around and like you see his head shaking. We're like, shit, there's a crocodile on the end of that. Oh, um, fuck. Yeah, and we've got no experience, remember. We've been winging it. We've been like picking limpets off of rocks and eating snails and stuff like that. <laughs> and then obviously a couple of weeks in, we've got like a big like nine foot crocodile on a bit of rope. So we're like dragging it out, dragging it out. We get it up on land. And again, we're a bit like, okay, so what do we do? Um, and we were debating all sorts of stuff. One of the lads was like, let's not kill it here. Let's try and like maybe tie it up and carry it back to camp. And I was like, fuck carrying a crocodile over my shoulders back to camp. <laughs> so it was like, nobody knew what they were doing. Ultimately we were like, all right, it's big. So we decided, right, you three jump on its back. Um, and again, people were like, well, who's going to kill it? And again, it's something that no one had really thought about. When it's limpets and stuff like that, you don't really feel like you're killing anything, but this was a big crocodile. And at that time, I was just like, I'll do it. Like, literally no problem. And my thinking behind it was not that I wanted to kill it. It was just like, one, I just had to 
see it as just like a food source. You know, we were in an extreme situation. We were starving. I had to take the sort of emotion out of it. Was the game uh, in your head then? Was it, at this point, was the game in your head? You were thinking, if I do this, I could win the competition sort of thing? No? No, not at all. No. Um, I'd, say, I'd say there were moments where people were aware that someone was filming. Obviously, we had to film it all ourselves. But, yeah, really, I, I actually realised while I was there that I don't, although I always strove to um, do and achieve certain things in terms of like fame and like getting the glory. I actually hate being center of attention. So there's this weird sort of uh, conflict as in, I'm happy to do stuff, but I don't need to be celebrated, so to speak as well. So with that, it was just a case of let's just get it done. And even at that time, it surprised me because there are a few people there who I thought based on the bravado we saw at the beginning, I thought they were going to be all over it. You know, they were saying, oh, we're going to catch Piggy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. But when it came down to reality and we'd been uh, broken down a little bit, the, the exterior that we put up was gone. This was like real survival, real stuff. Um, and yeah, it was just a case of like, who is comfortable doing it? So anyway, I went in nice and clean, just dispatched it. Um, and I think, there was a lot of respect actually it wasn't no one was like showing off or celebrating it was just a case of we just felt like we worked hard and we were struggling and there was a lot of respect um and that turned into like a massive meal for us but what i would say is although it was a massive nine foot crocodile when you're only living off of protein um it doesn't really do much for you so our, our diet was mostly protein and i found out if we only just carried on eating protein essentially we would die like you need the other macros in there. You need other stuff. Um, so as much as we tried to gorge ourselves, um, yeah, it only done so much. And just one thing to add on the back of that is we, we obviously knew that food sources were scarce. So while we caught this crocodile, we had some. We thought, okay, let's be smart about it. Let's try and save some. And obviously in the jungle, there's no fridges or anything like that. So we tried to build a little smoker. I've got no experience. I work on computers, but we sort of worked together to try and build a little smoker in the jungle. Um, it didn't work out. Great idea, but it didn't work out. So what happened is we end up with a load of rotten crocodile meat. Um, but again, when you're starving and you're faced with, do I go hungry or do we eat this rancid, stinking crocodile meat? Um, we all sort of, we looked and we made a decision. We were like, lads, I, what are we actually going to do? Uh, and we all just were like, we're going to have to eat it. We've, we've got no more food coming. So if you can imagine a bubbling, thick oh. bowl of like stinking rotten meat. Um, and then we filled up our coconut bowls and we gave one last look around each other. A little nod. And away we went. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever eaten in my life. I still remember the smell and the taste. We gave ourselves E. coli and all sorts of stuff. Um, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone, but um, there are certain things you'll do when you're in tough situations. Let's just say that. Yeah. I think this is a thing that probably not many people are thinking about, but it's pretty fresh into my head. Is I went on a walk yesterday and Nate took its course and I needed to go to the toilet about five kilometers from the toilet and ended up doing a wild shit. <laughs> I'm wiping my ass with leaves. But what was it like, the toilet situation when you were... Yeah, when five, you were five star, five star, Adam. <laughs> so like, did you all have like a certain area? Did you just go off and, I don't know, cover it with sand? <laughs> what was the deal? So funny enough, there was, only, there was only one time I actually went to the toilet 
on the sand. Like the rest of the time, it was in the oh, sea. I thought you meant the whole fucking three weeks. Oh no, no. <laughs> but it, it took two weeks. So it took two weeks before there was any movements. We were there for six weeks. Two weeks in, we were sat around, and then I was like, I sort of feel like there's a bit of movement. Um, but I think obviously our body was hanging on to everything. It wasn't trying to let go of anything. So literally two weeks without going to the toilet. And then, yeah, I literally went off, just waded into the sea a little bit. Great, amazing. I remember we joked about it after. We were like, when we get home, I'm going in the bathtub. Like it was, <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was a great experience. Yeah, it was a great experience. Until, like I said, we, we, uh, we, we all got ill. We had like E. coli and sorts of stuff, but we had to carry on. So once we were ill, it was, it was like your insides are going to come out and you're on the verge of passing out. Um, and if it was nighttime, it's dark, you're in the sea, the waves are hitting you. Um, yeah, not, not the most convenient, I'd say. Yeah. How do they know when you're ringing the bell, like you're out? Yeah, so we have um, an emergency radio on there. Um, so with that, it's a case of if anyone gets injured, if anyone wants to leave, you can radio. And they have an emergency team who are on an island. I think it's about 20 minutes, half an hour away. So if you want to go, they normally give you a bit of time and they'll come the next day if you just want to leave. If it's an emergency, 20 minutes, half an hour, they'll try and get there. And we did have one of the lads who he had to leave because on our, well, we had to do a trip twice a day, every day to go and collect fresh water. And again, it was a dangerous, dangerous journey, climbing across rocky headlands and you had to carry water back. Um, and one of the days the tide was coming in, but we needed water. <clears throat> so he'd done the trip. I think he was on the second leg of like coming back. And as he was trying to get across these rocks, he's like scaling it and slipped, slipped, fell down, cut open his arm and it cut through quite deep. Um, so he was okay in terms of, he managed to get back to camp, but we had, um, two people who were like med medically trained, but we only had the bare essentials and they were just like, it's not looking good, mate. You're going to have to go. <clears throat> so essentially he ended up flying back to Panama where he got treated, but credit to him. And he's, he's still one of the 11 on here. Um, he made it five weeks out of the six and I've got no doubt he would have made it to the end. He was an absolute trooper. Um, there were a few people there who stood out, <clears throat> had amazing skills at certain things. Um, so him in particular, uh, uh, he was amazed when it came to crafting things out of wood. So impressive. Like we ended up having like a massive, basically like a dining table. I don't know, no idea how he done it, but like anything out of wood, he'd be able to make it. And there was someone else who was like amazing at fishing. Um, so that was interesting as well. Skills that people never thought they actually had turned out to be very useful there. Do you still yeah, talk to these people now? Yes, we, 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 don't, we don't talk quite as much, but we, we have a WhatsApp group. We still catch up. So last time I saw them... Where are we now? So I saw them in 2019. So this is actually quite cute. So we we met up in 2019 because one of the lads on my island, he actually got married to one of the girls on the girls' island. So basically at a similar time, they had 14 women on an island doing the same thing and they had us 14 lads. Um, so a bit of romance came out of that and they got married in 2019. On the same so, island? Or what? No, separate island. I was going to say, separate. he's cheaters. Fucking <laughs> 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 going at it. That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah. No, no women there. I know. I know. I did, did miss a bit of that, to be fair. Um, but <laughs> funny enough, you lose all urges when you're starving. Like, there's no, nothing works after a certain point when you're hungry, when you're starving. I mean, really that, happened to, that happened to me when I dieted down to compete in bodybuilding. Never mind when you're on this island. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I know. I know what you mean when you lose the you lose the urge for that there. <laughs> but yeah, 
I don't. But, so, so <laughs> <laughs> after uh, after all of that, um, after all of that, like coming out, what like coming out after it? What was your kind of? How was the transition back into normality? How was what was the transition back to normal day to day life? Yeah. So <clears throat> when I left the island, um, it, it wasn't an easy transition in a few ways. So firstly, when it came to food. Um, we had to be put on a controlled diet straight away. Um, I remember actually the first thing I ate when I got off, it was a banana. And still to this day, I've never tasted anything so sweet. When my eyes started watering, I bit into it and my eyes literally started watering because it was like so sweet and overpowering. But we were told that if we ate too much, we'd cause problems. Our body was wrecked, so just don't do it. But um, like typical lads, we did break the rule probably the very next day after getting off. Um, we snuck Here's out of the hotel. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> we, uh, we, we slipped out and we were on this island and we remembered where... So we stopped off on that island before we went to our island and then we went back there. So I remembered how to get to one of the bars because they told our hotels to not serve us anything apart from water or coconut water. So we snuck out, we went to a cocktail bar, got the cocktails in, got steaks. We just had a proper load up. And the next day was horrific. Our bodies were wrecked. We were like doubled over, um, absolutely buzzing as well. As in like, couldn't sleep because sugar hitting the system again for the first time. It was just like so much going on. So like for me personally, I remember I got addicted to anything with sugar. Um, had a really like sweet tooth, like, obviously I think like ketchup probably has about 20% sugar in it, but that was just like over absolutely everything. It was just this weird little thing, but the other effects were around sleep. So a long part of while I was on the Island, I would sleep next to the fire because I got bitten a lot by sandflies and mosquitoes. Um, so the best place to sleep was by the fire. Hopefully the smoke would keep them away. Um, but what it meant is every hour, pretty much on the hour, I'd wake up to put wood on it. So after doing that for weeks, and then you get out and get back to normal life where people normally sleep for a good eight hours, I, I just didn't adjust to it. Um, I would just literally fall asleep where I was for a bit. I'd be sat there, not off for an hour, just wake up and just carry on. So um, that was the start of it, but it lasted like pr probably for over a year. I had sleep what? paralysis. Yeah, I sleep paralysis, psychiatrist to try and figure out how I could get through it. Um, so yeah, definitely a bit of a struggle. And I remember even when I moved over to Dubai, I came out here um, and yeah, I was still working through that. So yeah, it, it definitely took its toll. And one thing as well, going back to the work office, if I felt that I wanted to get away before I went onto the island, coming from somewhere like that and going and being confined to a desk was so hard. I remember going there and I just like, I couldn't stay in one seat. I was like, what's everyone doing? I just have to move around. It was, it was so bizarre. Um, so that for sure was an adjustment. And I think at that point I was like, just ready to go somewhere else. How long so, did you last after that? Say again? How long did you last after until you went to Dubai or went on your own? Um, so I got back off the island. I think it was in December. And then by the following September, I flew over to Dubai. So I decided, I spoke about it on the island. I was with the lads and it was something that was in my head already, to be honest, because I was actually supposed to be going over to the States with work, but my visa was being processed. It was taking long as well. And I was like, actually, when I get back, I might just go to Dubai. So it's something that I've been thrown out there, talks around the fire, that sort of stuff. Um, and then, yeah, just getting back and just thinking, why, why not? As in, 
if I wasn't sure about what I was doing at that point, I can change it. Like, again, what's the worst that can happen? And I just booked a flight. I didn't have any big plans. I didn't have a job. Um, I didn't even have somewhere planned to stay. I just booked the flight first and the rest, rest happened, happened after that. So I think that's, that's such, like, such a good, like, it's like so many people think about it, don't they? But it's just like, oh, safety, security, what you've got right now. But actually just taking that leap, booking it and, and going is so... It's so good. Literally and, in the frame of mind at the minute too. That's, that's why I'm, I'm relating to a lot. Like I'm in Italy, but I'm like, I'm, I'm sick of it. I've been away for what, four years now and I'm just like trying to find a way home. So I, I can relate to that a lot and like trying to take that jump. It's so tough, like having something there, like so, so easy basically. And to get out of your comfort zone to try something new, it's just, it's a weight you have to lift. It's crazy. Absolutely. And I think, I think it just, it goes back to, that analysis paralysis like when we overthink stuff you know despite our best intentions at some point we're going to get back to things why it makes sense and stay where we are sometimes you do just need to sort of like as i say jump out the plane and just build the parachute on the way down if you wait for everything to align and be perfect you're probably not going to do it so this is even something that i coach people a lot of people hold back they don't do stuff because things are not quite right. They have to do that one tweak on their website. They have to do that one thing for their program where actually it's like, just get going. And that momentum leads to more momentum and then you start making things happen. Yeah, it's that start now, get perfect later, isn't it? That whole mentality. And I think that a lot of people can learn from the fact of just just going ahead, just doing it and then sorting it out a little bit later on. Um, so what a, was it? Oh, sorry, go ahead, Adam. I was just going to say, what was it like for you re-watching it and actually, obviously, this. How long was it between you got back and you you finished for it, from it actually airing on on TV? And what was that like? All right, so I got back, let's say, in December. By the following, what was it? I think April, May. It was on TV, and before it even got on TV, and speaking to the psychiatrist, he was just like, "Before you watch TV and see what's been edited, is I like, write everything down." is I get everything out of your head, your whole experience, write it down, because what's going to happen is you're going to see it on TV and it's going to mess with your head. You're not going to be sure what's reality versus what's not. I didn't really get what he meant because I was like, I know what the experience was. I've been through it. I know what happened there. So obviously they're going to show what happened. But as with anything, it's entertainment. So they distilled down six weeks of us filming for like average like 16 hours of content a day they had to put into six episodes on tv so what came out was a mix of stuff you'd have like the highs the lows they would show some of the fallouts and some of the storylines are slightly different to how they actually happened and you've got the good and bad of that so for me there was not episode where i felt like i got ripped to shreds and i was like but that didn't even happen but you're at the mercy of what's put out there. Um, and it, that, that journaling part, writing things down, is, is and was so important to me. It's something that I still do now where I just take time every now and again, just get the thoughts out of your head because sometimes it's just that rationalising it, processing it, um, just understanding why you do certain things or think a certain way. It's just so powerful. And had I not done that, I would literally just be at the mercy of what was shown on TV. And it would be a case of, oh, like that's what happened. Um, and it's weird because for a long period of time, when people would see me and talk to me, they're like, oh, you're the guy that done this. Or they'll be like, oh, this has happened. And actually it was like, you sort of just go along with it. Just like, yeah, yeah, that's what happened. But it was TV at the end of the day. So a very sort yeah. of weird experience at the same time. No, I can, I can imagine. And I say like getting it, all, getting it all out of you 
and getting it all out onto paper and like journaling in general is is massive. Uh, but yeah, move, like so. Moving on to one of the, the last questions that we've got for you around this around this story is what out of the entire the entire process itself, the entire show, what was your main what was your main takeaway, and what was the main bit of advice that you've learned that you could tell someone who might help them in their day to day, rather than I know that people are going to be going onto a, a desert island like, but <laughs> yeah, um, kind of what did you learn about yourself in the sense that it was like really useful for you. I'll probably say there were two key things that I took away from the experience. And to be honest, although it was an extreme scenario, I think it applies to life. Um, and the first one is just that whole feeling around doing things yourself. Um, and there's like an African proverb, which I love um, because it sort of hits the nail on the head with this. And it's, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And the reason that just stands out to me is because, yes, sometimes you need to get the initial momentum or even the initial motivation on your own. Maybe you need to course correct and do certain stuff. But just like anything, like motivation is only going to take you so far. It's not a constant. Um, so sometimes you just need the right people around you, whether it's a personal trainer, whether it's a good friend, mentor or coach, and they're going to help you go so much further. Um, and being in that situation there, I know for sure, despite everything we went through, the highs and lows, I couldn't have done it alone. I couldn't have gone that whole 40 days, 40 nights, just on what I had myself. Like we all brought something out of each other and it's so important. Um, and the other thing that I learned is it's good to challenge yourself. So sometimes we, we get stuck in a bit of a cycle. We get in a rut we fall into patterns and habits and stuff like that. And we, we see that as our reality, like this is life or this is who I am. And I think sometimes that can be a problem. And I think what I learned is that sometimes by challenging those things that we think define us or, you know, the things we say we can or can't do, or we wouldn't eat. Sometimes by challenging those things, you realize that there's so much, around us that's almost a figment of our imaginations like at some point we've been programmed to believe a certain thing or maybe like our parents never ate a certain type of food so all of a sudden we have this thing where we say oh no, no i'm allergic to it, or no i could never eat sushi but actually just by challenging yourself and it doesn't need to be a big thing like going to a desert island but just something small just challenge yourself if there's like you know you said to yourself oh i could never dye my hair that color just do it like what is the worst that's going to happen if there's a little food that you've always said, no, nope, could never eat, eat it, just order it and try it. And you'll start to break down those things. And for me, I just realized that actually we have control over so much, how we see the world and all sorts. And it can just start by just challenging those small little things. Yeah, I think so much about that is, and I think it's so powerful what you said there, but I think it's the internal monologue of what we use to talk to ourselves. It's like you were saying there, a lot of people, like, I could never do this, I could never do that. I've always been like this, I've always been like that. And well, if you tell yourself, you're not going to lie to yourself. You're telling yourself that, you are telling yourself the truth. Well, change the language that you're using and tell yourself a different story and you can move forward with that there. So I've, oh, I've always been someone that eats, eats carbs, yeah. uh, eats I'm always someone that kind of over overeats carbs or something or whatever. And it's like, well, you change your attitude, change your change the language. It's like you don't have to be that person anymore. I mean, I don't know why I picked carb, probably a really bad example, but <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I, I, but that, the idea is still the same. <laughs> yeah, no, I think your your point stands in even in that fitness space. I think 
when we tell ourselves that we are not something, of course, we're not going to turn up and show up and do the things that that person will do. But like simple thing, if I told myself like, no, I am a fit person. Like I'm an active person. If you start to identify like that, then you're going to start to do the things that a fit or active person will do. Otherwise you're going to be in conflict with yourself. So just as you've got the downside where you can you that negative self-talk, you can actually just switch it up a bit. And if you start to change how you see yourself and identify then all of a sudden, if you're an active person, it's going to feel out of sync for you to just lounge around and just eat pizzas all day because that's in conflict. So again, I think it's just powerful. It shows yeah. how much control we have and how much that internal monologue, as you mentioned, sort of shapes who we are. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, I think it's, yeah, it's so important. And like you say, when you're in a situation like, like that on an island and you're starving and you're dehydrated, it's like your internal monologue is what's going to keep you going, isn't it? And it's, it's something that I think a lot of people in their actual day-to-day life need to or must change even, don't need to do anything. You must do certain things. But um, the, that element of that, I think, is so, so important. Right, anything to add on that, Rob? Or should we go on to... Another question. Um, so, see, since being on the island and having that island life, obviously when it's in Dubai, it's the complete polar opposite. Do you ever get that sort of uh, want to go back to an island and quit what you're doing and just fuck it all off? Yeah, so I think that's a good question because Dubai is so far from a desert island oh, yeah, in, in that respect. <laughs> um, no, I do. I, I frequently get times where I need to... I get the urge to get away from it. I need to be in some capacity away from the big cities um a bit close to nature and i haven't figured out how long it is but it happens frequently where i can be fine living my life and then something kicks in where i'm like i need to get away even if it's just like out to the desert to go camping or on the beach or something um or i'll just get on a plane and go to like thailand or bali or something but an urge really kicks in so sometimes um it does make me question things like as in am I in the right place for my character and whatever else? Like, does it, does it really work? Um, I'll say there's a lot of good here. There's a lot that I like about the place, but I think ultimately um, I definitely crave being close to nature. Now I have the, the luxury of being quite close to the sea. So like within five minutes I can go and just walk along the beach. It's not quite the same, um, but I appreciate stuff like that much more. And I, I never ever would have thought, in my life, I would ever live somewhere where I could look out the window and look out the sea, uh, not in a million years. So I think there's just like a sequence of small events and small changes and challenge myself. I think it's just had a knock on sort of domino effect. To, my life is so different probably to where it ever would have been. And obviously it's not over. There's a lot more things I want to do, probably different places I'll go to. Um, but yeah, I think Dubai is great for now. Um, we'll see what the future holds. I like, I like how you have like, you have that now and I, that's going to be your, what you have to beat from now on. I think that's a good aspect to have. A lot of people, like myself as well, like I I always pick the nicer places to live because I know like it'll make me feel like I'm there. Even though if I, ha- if I haven't like financially made it or anything like that, or if I'm living somewhere or have some sort of features in my life, make me feel like I'm making it or on my way. It's a, yeah. it's a massive, massive factor to success, I think. Yeah, I think it's a bit like being around a certain group of people. As in, if you're around people who are not doing too much, you're sort of going to operate at that level. And if you sort of raise the standards, you know, I've been on Clubhouse with Adam, um, the conversations that we have there, like just day to day, I wouldn't be around people like that um, or it'd be much harder. So I appreciate it so much just being in a space with people who 
they've got their growth mindset in certain areas. They're trying to improve themselves. They're trying to better themselves, whether it's mindset, whether it's their health, whether it's just their goals they're working towards. I think that in itself is just like, it makes me want to do a bit better. So um, yeah, definitely you need to curate what you're around, your environment and stuff like that. I'm definitely going to jump on this week. I've been putting it off for ages because I don't, I don't like the idea of it's, it's extending on stage and talking on stage. It freaks me out. It's all right with us three, but even still, like I'm still shaking. Even just talking to you, <laughs> this isn't my thing. Like the first podcast, I was shaking like a shitting dog for fucking ages. Like I was shaking, my, drinking my water, and it was nearly going. Out. Yeah, but, uh, I need to go out of my comfort zone and get into the clubhouse because I know, I know, I definitely would like to do it. Do it, man. Yeah. I, like I again, what people haven't ever realized about me, or they don't notice straight away. I, I'm, I'm an introvert. I hate being actually in the spotlight for stuff um and really just off the back of some of the things i've done it's resulted in me going doing talks in front of 500 people being on stages like there's the biggest tech event in dubai i went and spoke there and like i still don't love it like don't get me wrong i still don't love it but i've i've just i suppose i've just tried to take more control of it and i've got that same thing in me which i haven't shaken where it's like what's the worst that can happen like yeah, people might laugh at me or I might say something wrong or I might say something that doesn't make sense, but life goes on. Um, this moment, people aren't going to hang on to. And sometimes, like, we obviously feel like we're at the centre of our universe and, like, we feel like everything we do is so important. But I think that's why a lot of people don't do certain things because you feel like everyone cares about what you're doing. You feel like you're going to be judged for every move you make. You feel like if you start that business and it doesn't work out, everyone's going to think I'm useless and a failure. But actually, people have got their own lives they worry about. They don't care. They don't, they're not going to hang on to it. So sometimes it's just a case of just push on, just do it. Worst case scenario, you say something stupid, just crack on, just crack yeah, on. Yeah, and that's, that's it. We're in the room that, that we run. And I mean, um, Rob's in the, in the group chat that we, that we have on Instagram. And obviously, he knows about all the rooms. And we have so many people. I'm just in the background, just peeking. Behind the curtain. There's so many people that come up and speak every day that um, I've never spoken on the app before. And I know Rob obviously quite well. And we, I know Rob's backstory. And I know he would be an asset to the group. And it's just waiting for him to say, pull that trigger and build up that confidence to, to, set, to start talking. Stop and, being, stop being the camera. Just get, the just get, get, get shit done. Because like yeah. I say, it's just pulling the trigger sometimes and just being able to, just being able to do that. And, and step out of your comfort zone is, is yeah. what you need to do sometimes. It's, it's awkward. It's awkward. But you, again, it's just that, it's that incremental stuff. So even for me going on there, the first time I went on stage, I was like, shit, I forgot my question. Um, you know, you, your head goes all over the place. You're like, and then after a certain point, you just get out and it, you realize, oh, like that wasn't too bad. And then you do it again. And then you do it again, and then you just get more comfortable saying stuff. And then that's what I, then, that's what I knew I need to do for sure. Like I remember, yeah. I went on once. It was like the start of the the group of the group that he started uh, with the A Game Consultancy, and I went on. Yeah. There was only three people on stage and one person off stage, and I was still shitting my pants. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew all the guys read it. Yeah, <laughs> the pressure kicked in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I love the app and I think it's so good. I mean, obviously we've connected on there and there's so many other connections and like like you, you what you're saying before, it's like your circle and the people you're surrounding yourself with and making sure you're around um, achievers and people that believe in like the self self development and improving yourself and like the the room that we've got and the um, 
the space of club dancing generally is full of people that are just like that all the time. So it's so positive to to build up the average of the five people you spend most time with by spending a lot of time with people on there as well. Um, but we'll come and we'll round up as we do with every single one of our guests. We have uh, an embarrassing story to normalise life a little bit. So I imagine you've got a, maybe a few from the island in itself there, but what is your embarrassing story for us today? Oh, well, so this one. The island can be anything at all, but... <laughs> yeah, the first one that comes to mind actually isn't from the island. Um, and I remember, I think I was about, I was about 15 at this time. I was on holiday, I was in Grand Canaria, was in a little resort. And yeah, I was down by the pool, just having a laugh. I'd met a group of kids similar age to me. Uh, we were just hanging out. I remember there were a few girls at the time, were quite hot. So there's a bit of chat, a bit of banter, joking around with our mocktails. Um, and then I remember at a certain point, everyone was sort of joking around, like diving into the pool, just playing around. And I was sort of just hovering at the edge. And people asked me, like, oh, like, are you getting in? So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll get in in a bit. Um, and they kept asking me, and I kept making these random excuses because I, at that point, I couldn't swim. At this point, I'm not a good swimmer. Um, <laughs> anyway, I was just making excuses. And then it got to an awkward stage where it was a bit like, I'd basically told them I could swim. Um, and it was a bit like, well, well, come on then. So I just thought, you know what? I'm just going to wing it. Um, so I've got up to the end. I think they were joking around doing these little penguin dives, waddling up. So I've got stuck in. <laughs> jumped in in front of these girls and literally was like struggling to come back up to the surface. So I've managed to sort of scram my way to the top, almost drown myself trying to impress a crowd. And then someone's pulled me up and like, you are, and I'm still there, like, yeah, no, I'm fine. I was just trying to check out down there. And I'm just like, it was so bad. They obviously knew like, who is this kid? Almost killed himself. Like that was not a smooth situation for me at all. Um, and I still didn't learn my lesson because when I went to the island, I tried to blag it again and say I could swim. So. <laughs> The one thing I did take from that, admittedly, coming out the back of the island, I was like, I must sign up to a triathlon. Um, that's one way to make sure I learned to <laughs> Do you see you learned about to swim? Yeah, yeah, that's I'm going to play a triathlon. I definitely learned about to finish it. Risky approach, I know, I know. So <laughs> probably have to train there. <laughs> Annoyingly, this one was, uh, it was supposed to be in 2020, but obviously 2020 happened. So, um, yeah. no, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. I do like a challenge. Um, I feel like for me, if I try and do something that's a bit outside of myself, it helps me grow a lot quicker. So, um, when the world is back to normal, I'll do a triathlon. I'll be able so to you can swim well then, no? Uh, I mean, I wouldn't be comfortable doing a length. You, you know what a triathlon is, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> never bloody learned do i you had a perfect start now get perfect learn that's it i said it before jump out the plane build the parachute on the way down <laughs> maybe maybe build it a little bit a few weeks before the triathlon starts so. maybe build the boat <laughs> yeah, maybe build boat. good shout mate <laughs> Awesome, mate. And I think, like, it kind of rounds it up there because, like, you're saying at the start is that you were the guy that, uh, oh, I'm, I'm acting up, I'll be cool for the crowd kind of thing. And then your embarrassing stories, you played up to the crowd. <laughs> I know, I know. That was a long time ago. Now I think, um, yeah, I do feel like a very different person. And I think um, as a starting point with anyone, I think once anyone who's even listening to this, there's probably something in them where they've started to look inwards a bit. 
So I think that's that's the starting point. The fact that anyone is sat watching this, listening to this conversation, you're starting to think about the decisions you make, the things you do, um, and no doubt you'll become a better person off the back of that. So, yeah, I appreciate awesome, you guys man. bringing me on. No, oh, no, sick. No, I've really enjoyed that. It's been awesome. It's been great, great convo. It's great to get an insight into into what's been what's been going on. Obviously, we've been chatting so much on Clubhouse that it's um, I've known little bits about the the story and everything, but it's good to get really like deep into it and to talk a lot of, a lot about it on like that that deeper scale, which is which is good. And it's been awesome. To, you've been so open about it and been able to to talk about it with us and everything. And I'm sure like we we love the responses from the listeners at the minute and I'm sure they'll give a very very positive response so we'll round that up there I'm going to put all the links for uh, Kyle's Instagram Kyle's coaching stuff in the description if you're watching on YouTube or if you're listening on the uh, Spotify or any other podcasting platforms they will be in the bio below as well so uh, thank you very much Kyle and we will be signing off now okay guys that was Kyle Newsom on the podcast absolutely fantastic podcast i really enjoyed that absolutely fantastic absolutely <laughs> awesome and uh hopefully we get some people on like that again who motivate people and drive people for greatness and it's yeah you talk to him pretty much every day in, in clubhouse don't you yeah yeah so we have a we have a room every every single day on clubhouse if you are on the app and um, it, it'd be great to get some people on uh, and jump up on stage and talk to us it's about men's mental health uh, primarily but we cover all things mental health and uh, Kyle is a moderator and he helps us run the room and it's great to have him on and I've heard his story loads of times on there but it was great just to get a little bit of a deeper dive into it today and to learn more about him and about his backstory and he's, he's such a sound guy and he sounds just like he just talks talks so passionately about everything that happened on the show itself but then everything in the, the business side of things is coaching things again so uh, a massive thank you for him for jumping on and I will leave all these links to his Instagram um, and uh, his coaching stuff down below as well if you want to check some of that out guys but we all round up the episode there so if you have enjoyed please leave the video a like if you are on YouTube and subscribe if you are not and you are listening just audio only a follow and a review would be greatly appreciated if you want to send Rob and myself a message there is a link in the description where you can send us a voice note so you can be featured in the podcast itself if not then you can just send us a message on instagram and we will be getting back to you very very soon and make sure that uh, we can answer any of your guys questions so has it got anything else to say rob before we wrap up this week everyone buy hybrid academy stuff use nl10 for 10 percent discount he's wearing a hoodie and i'm not wearing anything so don't <laughs> no false branding mate <laughs> I, was, I was i was running late okay shut, shut up <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've released a full new drop last week of different colorways and there's more coming very soon so stay tuned that you showed me today was absolutely oh. <laughs> but we can't say anything it's top secret because it's top secret it's, yeah, yeah awesome. it's gonna be mega but yeah, yeah. All right, thank you guys for listening and we will see you guys next week. Peace out.